0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now, the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender.
2: Welcome to the show, everyone. I hope everyone had a good Father's Day. I have to tell you something quickly that really, really got to me, Um, and it was a church. My pastor on Father's Day was talking about the horrific killings in Orlando, and he said, you know, I hope you're extending your love and your care, you know, and concern, what happened with, you know, the senseless killing. He said, and then I want you to remember this. I want you to remember this Father's Day, that there are 49 fathers that woke up without a child. And, of course, if you count the killer, 50. Uh, and so I hope you pray for them. And I thought, wow, you know, sometimes people, well, they just are inappropriate, And for those of you that sometimes use what you say is religion, which to me it is religion, it's not your true faith in God, in a despicable way, talking about what should have or why it did happen, first of all, so heinous and reprehensible. But I also hope you hear what he said. There are fathers that woke up, Without that child. That is really powerful. And uh, with that, I want to tell you as we move on, we have a powerful national leader with us today that I am so excited to have. As our guest, she is just a dynamo. I got to know her, and she just impressed me right from the beginning because she is a fireball, to say the least. Uh, She is the CCTC moderate to severe educational specialist for the Autism Movement Therapy and Autism Works Now doing a great job across the country as a real disability advocate. Welcome to
0: the show, Joanne Lara. Ah, oh, what a, What an introduction. I hope I can live up to that. Thank you so much, Joyce, for having me on the show. Well, I know you
2: will live up to it because I know <laughs> what you're like. And thank you for being with us. But for our listeners across the country, Um, Could we start by you telling our listeners how you first became involved in the disability community?
0: Well, it's a very interesting long story, so I will try to cut to the chase. In 1970, at the University of Florida, when I was a a freshman, I wanted to be a psych major. And I picked as a case study one of the live-in study groups for autism. And this is one of the first groups of of study that was going on at the University of Florida, and they happened to be big contributors in our special education field. But at that time, I knew nothing. I was 19 years old. I knew nothing about autism. I didn't know what it was. But for some reason, I picked this live-in study group. So I would go three times a week. I'd go to to, uh, the pod where these young adults with autism lived. And I had one particular boy who I was working with. He was my case study, and he didn't talk. He was nonverbal, as we say. And probably halfway through the semester, they had a birthday party for one of the kids in the, in the group, and they had it in, this, in the main room, and, and they were play, playing an inappropriate game for this age group, but it was uh, musical chairs, You know, where you move around the circle, and when the music stops, you have to sit in a chair, and there's one less chair. And if you have the one less chair and don't get to sit, then you're out of the game. So I was kind of gently pulling my my friend by his shirt, going, come on, buddy, come on, buddy. If the music stops and we don't get a chair, uh, we're out of the game, we're out of the game. The music stopped. He turned around, he looked me dead in the eye, and he said, my name's not Buddy. <laughs> 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 it was the first time he'd spoken to me in three months. I said, Oh, oh my, that is. Pop. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. So that was my introduction to. Autism. And I was so intrigued. I was only 19. I had just graduated from high school in Tampa, Florida. But I thought, wow, I love these people, these guys. I love the way their brain works and the way they think. And fast forward to 1997, LA, Los Angeles, I became a substitute teacher in the Los Angeles Unified School District. And I kept being drawn to the special ed. Classrooms, like they would call me and say, "You've been requested for uh, an ED class. You've been requested for an LD class. They, they'd like to have you for the CBI, Community Based Instruction class, with older individuals." But I got this one call, and it was, early, and they call you early in the morning when you're a substitute teacher, like five thirty. And I thought she said for the art class, so I drove twenty five miles to the school. It was a middle school. I got to the front desk, and I said to. The gal at the front desk. Well, I'm Joanne Lara. I'm here for the sub. I'm the substitute here for the art uh, class. We don't need an art teacher. You must mean the art class. Oh. So meanwhile, I'm putting it together. It's 25 years later. I'm thinking, what is an art class? I said, uh, Yep, that's it. That's the one I came. <laughs> I didn't want to drive back home, not work for the day. I had no idea what an art class was. She. Pulls out a map and she circles. This is the bungalow, and of course you need a cab to get there from the main campus because at that time they were putting all classes um, it for kids with disabilities way back at the back of the campus. Things have gotten a little better in that respect now. But I walked and I walked. I walked all the way past the football field and opened the door to the bungalow, and there sat eight kids and one of the little boys, middle school, middle school. Youth, one of the boys was doing the song from the adams family da 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 the Adams family da and I looked in and I said, Hmm, these are my names, not buddy kids, and sure enough, they were, and I ended up doing a long term um, substitute position for them, loved every minute of it, and then moved over to a c b i class at another. High school, and one of the counselors there said to me, Joanne, you're so good with these moderate to severe kids. You know, a lot of a lot of people don't don't know how to work with these kids. You're very good with these kids. I'd like to write a letter to Los Angeles Unified School District. Uh, on your behalf, would you allow me to do that? I said, absolutely. Uh, They did. They called me. We've got a class for you. It was in Hollywood where I lived. It was a startup, third, fourth, and fifth grade autism, moderate to severe class at Selma Avenue Elementary School, and that was my first year teaching in 2000. And um, I loved, loved, loved loved it. I got my moderate to severe education specialist credential, K-12, California credential, and then a master's in moderate to severe and multiple disabilities. And uh, then I jumped out of L.A. Unified and started teaching at National University, where I've been for nine years in the special ed department, thinking I would have more, more opportunity to influence teachers. I was always fighting with everyone <laughs> in L.A. Unified School District to get my kids fully included, to have my kids have a voice to have them be seen at something as simple as a a holiday production where everybody was teaming up, and I would be like, well, you know, uh, Room 3 would like to team with someone. Uh, Oh, no, we already have somebody we're with, Joanne. And I thought, you know, I never expected that to happen. You know, in my wildest dreams, I never thought that in an education system people could be so callous against individuals and children with autism. But um, I learned a lot and um, filed out of compliance with the state of California three times on behalf of my children and um, said, you know what, I want to teach teachers because I want to be able to be an influence on the educators themselves and let them know what their rights are because many times they're, you know, they're reluctant to stand up and advocate for our kids because they're afraid that there will be repercussions. So that's how I got involved with special education and youth and kids with disabilities. It's been my path for... Well, since 1997, so for almost 25 years now, and um, I wake up every morning, and I thank God I have a mission, and that I love my work.
2: Well, you've got to have that. You And by the way, what a great story that is. What it a is. great story, and look at you now, what you're doing. Look at you now. Now, what grades are you with now, Joanne?
0: Well, now I teach in a university setting, so I teach... I teach teachers that are in the classroom that are going to school to get their credential to be a clear credential teacher in, um, across the country. In order to be a teacher, you have to have a credential, as you know. But the beauty of education, and I love this part about education, no other job can you go to and say, I really don't know how to do it, and they go, no worries, we'll let you learn on the job, and you can go to school and train while you're doing it. It's a that's the beauty of education, and we have FAFSA grants, as you know, that allow individuals. If you don't have the money to attend a university, the government will pay for that. And Obama's administration has been very, very good to our students um, with low interest rate, and and so you can you can you can learn to be a teacher and be in the classroom all at the same time. So you know that's that's a really great thing, but I. While I work with National University, I also support student teachers and interns, this is part of my job, um, that are in the classroom. So I go in and help them set up their classrooms, put their courses together, see, work with behavior, which is a big issue for kids with autism. It's, a, it's actually an eligibility for, for autism. So um, it's one of the criteria, some kind of a behavioral issue. And I, I consider myself a behaviorist and... Um, We do a lot of good work helping the families out and the teachers uh, in their classrooms being able to have classroom management control, but I get to have my hand in the classrooms. That's the point, Joyce, is I get to be in these classroom settings so I see and I know what's going on, not all across the country, but in California, in the valley, but I think we're a pretty good repre- representation of what special education looks like uh, across the country because there is a mandate and we are protected, as you know, under IDEA, Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. So everyone has to conform pretty much to the same standards at this point.
2: Wow, that is awesome. That really is. And I am so excited to talk to you about many things, but right now we've got to get ready to go to break. Hey, if you just joined us, we're talking to Joanne Lara, Autism Movement Therapy, Autism Works Now, great educator. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Joanne.
1: Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Since
3: 1985,
0: Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN.
3: If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at one 866 472 5788 Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender.
2: Hey, welcome back, everyone, and if you just joined, we're talking to Joanne Laura, Autism Movement Therapy, Autism Works Now, educator, great educator. Um, So,
0: Joanne, what is Autism Movement Therapy? Good question. Um, When I was in the classroom, the 10 years I spent in Los Angeles Unified School District with students with autism, moderate to severe, I used movement and music Every day with the kids. I had music playing in a little CD player, not music with lyrics, not hip-hop, not rap, but classical music, Amazonian music, Chinese music, Asian music, music with no lyrics. And it was always playing if I wasn't giving a a lesson, per se. So in other words, if the kids were working on tasks, working on worksheets, working one-on-one with somebody, then they were listening to music. And then we would clear all the beanbags near the library and we would do yoga and movement. And it got to be where they would ask me, Miss Laura, yoga today? And I thought, you know, there's something to this. And I had kids that were coming I need to preface this is I had kids, this is a moderate to severe, kids with autism, third, fourth and fifth grade class had kids coming to me, and most people are not aware what autism can look like in a severe state, uh, boys rolling on the floor, stimming, what we call self-stimming or stimulation on the lights, just rolling and looking at lights on the ceiling, nonverbal, uh, low gross motor and fine motor skills, uh, limited communication, nonverbal, etc, falling into the moderate to severe and mostly severe category of autism. These kids... We're starting to be able to work on the computer. I was—I had a computer for every child. I was programming that computer per each child's uh, present level of performance in math and language arts. I had kids talking that weren't talking. In fact, one boy that I'm, I, I i speak about who was rolling on the floor and stimming on the lights, he left two years later, assisting in general ed classrooms, working on the computer, and at the at the end of the the, the class. I was saying, you are all moving on to middle school, and I won't be your teacher anymore. You're going to a whole new school. And he said, will you be going with us, Miss Laura? (laughs) And I said, no, but you'll have a new teacher, and you can always call me, and your mother has my email and my phone number, da-da-da. He said, we are going to miss you and i thought you know what it's all about that movement and music it stimulates the brain it 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 allows the brain to be receptive to learning and i said when i get out of la unified school district i'm going to create a movement and music program and that indeed is autism movement therapy and i started it in 2007 we are now global i i just came back from china i trained 45 uh, individuals, uh, I do a certification program, Autism Movement Therapy Certification Level 2, 45 individuals in Nanjing, China, where they're, you know, where they're still trying to get their kids diagnosed. So we've done a tremendous amount of work in the last nine years. It's really what I call it is a movement and music program that's body-brain based. So what we're doing is we are connecting those four lobes of the brain which are the temporal, the occipital, the parietal, and then the frontal lobe where all the executive functioning takes place so that the cortical cortex gets stimulated. Our kids with autism are right-brained. They don't use the left brain. And what connects the two hemispheres of the brain is what we call the corpus callosum, And that's where the transmission or the bridge of the information between right and left hemisphere takes place. But our kids don't have that bridge, if you will, that that connection going on. We know that because they have a speech and language deficit that makes them eligible for criteria of autism or eligibility of autism. Everything about speech and language lives in the left hemisphere of the brain. So when we start stimulating the left hemisphere through audio processing, through visual processing, through gross motor processing, the dance, there's nothing better than dance. It requires the brain to come to attention. Then we have what we call a whole brain thinking approach. And we see, we see behaviors fall away, inappropriate behaviors fall away because we're replacing them with more meaningful behavior. We see on-task activity occurring for longer periods of time. We see social skill interaction, which is a deficit for kids with autism. It's a criteria, actually, for autism. And we see an overall better quality of life for these kids. So art has proven to be, and it is evidence-based now. It wasn't when I started doing my autism movement therapy. People were poo-pooing me and that's woo-woo and art and I want we want our kids to read and I said this is the bridge this is the bridge to academic stimulation to success in reading and math and success as a person and now you know now that's come full circle and we know that to be true there's quite quite a few studies out um, not a lot but about 10 studies on movement and music and music and and how the arts benefit our kids, and they all, all of the arts benefit our kids. Music is great. Movement is great. Nothing better than movement and music together, I will say that. But theater and uh, yoga classes, we have kids doing karate classes now. We need to make sure that our kids with all disabilities, not just autism, all disabilities have access to the arts. One, because they can do it and they spend six hours a day in a classroom being asked to do things that they can't do. And two, because the arts can allow them to show us who they are, even if they're nonverbal communicators. We get to know them through their art. And that's, there's nothing better. It's an expression that we, uh, a personal expression for them, but it allows us to really know who they are and it allows uh, brain cortical uh, cortex stimulation it's a win win we we can't be taking the arts out of the education system we have to think about how we can put them back in for all of our kids well isn't that what it's all about
2: inclusion yep Absolutely. Yeah, you, you work exclusively with students with autism. Now, my question is, uh, you mentioned already some students with very significant uh, disabilities, uh, intellectual disabilities or cognitive disabilities. Do you work with all levels from that to Asperger's syndrome?
0: I do, and I also work with all disabilities because my master's is a moderate to severe disabilities um, master's. So I work with, I am. I do not sign, but deaf and hard of hearing, vision impaired, emotionally disturbed, spinal bifida, traumatic brain injury, uh, autism, learning disabled, Down syndrome. So I, I, I don't want to just uh, peg myself as an autism. I, I am considered an autism expert, but my, my heart is with all of our our youth and individuals with disabilities. And with that said, yes, I work with, if you look at autism, you, 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 it's, it's important to see it as a bell curve. So on the left side of that bell would be mental retardation, uh, cognitive impairment, and as you go up towards the center of the bell, you would be that 's where the norm is, of course, and that 's where the majority of kids with autism fall. You would have cognitive impairment you at a, at a, at a moderate level then, as you move over to the right of the bell, you have the temple grandins the Stephen Shores, um the is the einsteins the genius and then the in the kids with asperger 's so uh, asperger 's, as you know. Asperger's, uh, maybe for our our listeners, autism manifests in, it's a neurological impairment that manifests in three criteria deficits, social skills, behavioral, and some kind of speech and language. Asperger's, let me go back and say, at the same time that autism, because it's important to know that this was the same group of, of individuals who were being studied in two different locations on the planet at the same time, and one individual's name was Leo Cantor, and he was studying a group of kids that said, hmm, all these kids tend to have the same characteristics. They, they have social skill impairment, they have some kind of behavioral issue, and they have communication language problems. There was another individual's name, ne, un, other individual named Asperger's, and he was studying the same group of kids, but in older, and they had the same criteria. So what we at, at one time they were both together under in the DSM4 together as autism now we're losing that asperger's in the DSM5 and it's just considered autism but asperger's individuals tend to be higher cognitive so they tend to fall to the right side of that bell curve and but they still have all the criteria deficits of speech and language deficit social skills social skills tends to be the greatest for them and some kind of a behavioral issue so yes i work with all of that i work with kids who have very very low iqs and are um what we would call mr mentally retarded um or mentally challenged now as best practices is and then the the uh, temple grandin is my friend and she's she's a genius you know, uh, Stephen Shore is my friend, and he, we present oftentimes together uh, across the globe, and he is a genius in my eyes. So I do. I work with everyone. You know, I work with the entire spectrum of autism. It's a spectrum, uh, not a disease.
2: And just as you mentioned... There are many comorbidities, so you could have epilepsy and autism, or, as you said Absolutely. before, spina bifida or cerebral palsy. So yes, you have expertise in autism, but these are children many times with multiple disabilities.:
0: That's right. And comorbidity, yes. Uh, Tourette syndrome is very comor- comorbid with autism, as well as spinal bifida and um, CP. Cerebral palsy. We see a lot of cerebral palsy. And also uh, vision-impaired and deaf and hard of hearing. It's, you know, it, we have many times, we have these, these little babies that are, you know, that are being born. They're preemies. Many times preemies um, manifest with a lot of deficits in criteria that meet autism, along with other, many of the other neurological criteria deficits and then they they do have a comorbidity of two or three different disabilities.
2: Right. I know, because when I was the chair of the National Epilepsy Foundation, that was not unusual, epilepsy and autism, which, to your point, you have expertise in autism, but you're really working with children with uh, multiple disabilities.
0: That's often. right, and also you, you mentioned epilepsy. A lot of times we don't see epilepsy until late onset. I'm seeing more and more of this. This is something I'm seeing a lot of specifically in Los Angeles. Um, I don't get to know the kids enough when I travel, but I do interact when I go to Malaysia, India, China. Um, I'm able to interact with the families and the children. They bring the kids to me. So um, I get a real clear view globally of what autism looks like uh, across the globe. And I'm starting to hear more about epilepsy. So that's an interesting study, autism and epilepsy and late onset.
2: Right. Yeah, that is. And you know what? One comment about that, the one group in the United States, one in 26 people will have epilepsy in their lifetime, and the biggest group growing are the elderly. So it's amazing how all of that ties together. But right now, we've got to go to break. We've been talking to Joe and Laura, who is with Autism Movement Therapy, Autism Works Now, and a national educator and disability leader. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
1: News. News voice counts call toll-free 1-866-472-5787 1-866-472-5787 voiceamerica.com hi i'm greg Rumberg from the tv show heroes The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
3: If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender.
2: Hey, welcome back, everyone. We're talking to Joanne Laura. And before we went to break, while we were on break, actually, we were talking about the really, I say, unknown power of the brain and how it impacts so many things. Uh, And, Joanne, how do you feel
0: about that? Well, I think it's all about the brain. I think we're in the age of the brain, Joyce. Uh, we're, just, we're just touching the tip of the iceberg. There's a fabulous book called The Brain That Changes Itself. It was, it was on the New York Times bestseller list for years. Author Michael Deutsch, Doidge, D-O-I-D-G-E, talks all about neuroplasticity. And, you know, neuroplasticity came into vogue in the 60s and then fell out. And people are like, no, no, the brain is fixed. We can't change what it is. It, it, we're not, it's not going to get any better than this. And then came back in in the late 90s. And so now we're we're really in the in the age of neuroplasticity, um, and that means that there that the brain can change itself, and that there are areas of the brain that if they if they are damaged, another area of the brain will step up and do the job. So we have. We have stroke uh, uh, victims who, who are learning, as we know, to talk and walk again. And he talks about, I love Deutsch, he talks about a friend of his who came to him and said, my father had a stroke, it's very, very severe, he's not walking, he's not talking, what do you suggest? And Deutsch said, well, have him crawl crawl across the room back and forth about 20 times a day. And he said, crawl? Oh, well, that that's not dignified, I can't have it, he said... We crawl as babies because we are exercising the left and right hemisphere of the brain and getting that corpus callosum stimulation that I talked about earlier in our, in our interview. You get that. That's why babies crawl. He went back Amazing. and he had, he, he had his father do it, and he said, you know what? You're a genius. <laughs> It worked. He's talking. He's walking. So, you know, it's about the brain. The brain is the control center. And we're learning that we can change the brain by changing the variables in the environment and the way that the brain is interpreting them.
2: Wow. What is the title of that book again for our listeners, Joanne?
0: The Brain That Changes Itself.
2: The Brain That Changes Itself. Sounds like mm-hmm. a good book. It's fascinating love that to book. me. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking yeah. of fascinating, Joanne, I know hmm. you work and know Temple Grandin, who yes. I think is absolutely a genius and has really had such an impact, good impact, uh, for people living with autism. Tell us about your work with Temple and what she's like.
0: Uh Okay, well she's a real character and it's so uh, she's in my documentary, uh, Generation A Portraits of Autism in the Arts, which is actually on iTunes and will be on Netflix and we have an, a PBS air date in the fall. She's the she's my lead uh, character, if you will, and then it's all these kids that are really that really excel in the arts. It's a really great documentary, Generation A, Portraits of Autism in the Arts. But when we went up to film her, because she's a professor at Colorado State University, you know, she has a PhD in animal sciences, not autism. She has autism. She's probably the rock star. I like to say the rock star of autism globally, because she's very well known. She's written about twenty books. She has about 180 position papers out there. I mean, it's like, she's so smart, it's crazy smart. She's a genius for sure. Um, And she gives back so much to the autism community, as well as redesigned the way cattle go to slaughter all over the world. And of course, if you watch the HBO movie about Temple Grandin, it's called Temple Temple Grandin. Then you will know that that's uh, that's kind of her signature is that uh, she changed the way. And she said, we were not we were not slaughtering cattle in a dignified way. And she was absolutely right that these cattle knew that they were going to their deaths, and it wasn't appropriate. And she redesigned a circular a circular structure where the cattle walked in a circle. And it's used now all over the planet. They know her everywhere I go. They know her. They know her all over India. They know her all over Asia. I mean, she is the rock star. So what I did was she, re- she endorsed my program, Autism Movement Therapy, very early on because I was one of the pioneers that came out of the starting gate in uh, 2008 with Autism Movement Therapy. I have a DVD. I started really doing a lot of PR for it, hired a PR team, and we really got the word out about how important movement and music were for kids with autism and special needs. And she jumped on and endorses my program. In fact, um, she doesn't endorse a lot of programs, so I'm thrilled. And now she's endorsing less and less because she says it takes her – she has to take time out to really get to, you know, she doesn't do it without really knowing the program. But she says programs like Joanne's Autism Movement Therapy offer opportunities for our kids to develop the necessary and fundamental skills that benefit all our kids. And then she says, Art saved my life. So she was a real big component of, of a group of us who were delivering intervention for special needs through the arts early on when it was really pushing a boulder up a hill. So I went back to her um, last year and I said, Temple, I'm doing a, uh, our kids don't have jobs is what I said. And she said, I know it. uh, I can do her quite well. I know and that's something we have to really work on, Joanne. We have to work on these jobs for these children. And um, I said, well, I want to do a big event and I want to give you an award. I'd like for you to speak. And she said, absolutely. Absolutely. So we booked uh, the Club Nokia, which is a big theater at the L.A. Live Complex downtown, and um, it was amazing. I had all the presenters who were on the autism spectrum. They were older individuals. They presented. They spoke. I had a number of people who were on the autism spectrum who performed. It was all driven. It was a train driven by, by individuals with autism, and Temple Grandin was at the, at the helm. She... We went on, she spoke a lot about uh, autism and bringing back vocational training. You hear me say this all the time, Joyce, this is my mantra, bringing back vocational training for middle and high school into our education system. We have, and this is for all, all individuals with disabilities and all the kids that were losing to the gangs at 11 and 12 years old. We could keep them in school if we gave them a reason to come to school. They can't do the academics. They're not, they're not going a four-year college pathway, and we lose them to the gangs. But if we could bring them back, give vocational training, teach woodworking and metalworking and, and photography and arts and computer and car detailing and uh, horticulture, and I mean, there's so many programs that could be offered in vocational training in middle and high school that would allow these individuals with disabilities to graduate with a skill set. This is the problem, in my opinion. The problem is we keep wanting jobs for people with disabilities, and they aren't skilled. We should take responsibility for that, go back to the drawing board, and that's what the public system was was, was created for in this country anyway. It was created to educate our youth. That's its job. EdGov's job is to create and create employment for our kids so that they can transition into the community and be part of their community and contributors.
2: We have oh, a... Oh, amen a to difference. all that. I, I so, I, you know, that is so distressing to me, which actually sort of leads to my next point. I've been doing volunteer work now for 15 years with high school students with disabilities at different school districts Mm -hmm. called the Bender Leadership Academy.
3: And how it really all
2: started is when I found out how horribly uh, kids with disabilities are bullied. So I am assuming that you probably have seen that more than anyone.
0: Yes, I have, because the more severe the disability, the more bullying, and, uh, it's just, it's just uh, unfathomable. But when I speak about bullying, and I speak about it often, because I get asked a lot about it globally, too, I say, you know what, we are a can-do society. We like to push those smartest, the brightest, the prettiest, the best, especially in America, right up to the front, And our individuals with disabilities get left behind. It's kind of like uh, the back of the bus, Waldo. And we are still living in that concept of individuals with disabilities are excluded. They are at the back of the line. They're not picked to be the leaders. They're not picked to be the captains of the team. They're not even picked to be on the team. I ask people to say to themselves, How do you think that feels?
2: Well, I'll tell you, we it feels have to terrible because.
0: It's the way that we uh, see disability, Joyce.
2: I know, and we have lost kids to suicide, so it's something that has to stop. It just has to stop, but we got a long way to go. Um, but I think we go
0: back. I have an idea, (laughs) as you well know. I'm sure you you, – we could go back in the education system with an inclusive setting, with a curriculum. Look, we rolled out this – we rolled out the Common Core in like one year. EdGov can do what it needs to do when it wants to do it. Why don't we have – uh, 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 a piece that goes with core, Common Core that is all about diversity, and I'm not talking about one lesson that we talk about each year about oh we have to be nice to people with disabilities and we have to be nice to people that are uh, we don't that are not thinking the same way we. Bah, bah, bah. I'm talking about a real curriculum that aligns itself with Common Core that helps the that, that teaches not only the educator but the children how to be friends with each other. Because that child in kinder who goes to school with that child with a disability is going to be that child's employer. And if that employer doesn't understand disabilities and doesn't understand skill sets and deficits and everything that comes with what it is to be a disabled individual in this country, they're not going to give them the job if they understand them, if they had curriculum that was aligned with Common Core, if they learned to be friends with individuals with disabilities, and that person came in and sat across from them when they took over their father's business and said, here's my resume, is there anything for me here? They would say, you know what, I have the perfect job for you. Right. Well, let me ask you this. What? What
2: do you think, Joanne, should be in that vocational training in schools? What what specifically do you think it should be?
0: First of all, I think we need to start in kinder because kids love kids. They don't know color. They don't know race. They don't know religion. They just like each other. (laughs) As they get older, all kinds of variables get in the way, as we know, and then they have ideas about it, and parents get in the way because we don't want our children to be educated with a child with a disability. Uh, He belongs in a classroom on his own. You see, there's a lot of people we have to get to. There's a lot of people we need to educate about what disabilities are and who are who, who, what the face of disability really is. And I think that curriculum has to look like a structured curriculum with built-in assessment. There needs to be assessment. We need to be a little test-taking here. Uh, we need to move that curriculum all the way up to middle school, so it goes right into sixth grade. A kinder through sixth grade curriculum aligning itself with Common Core. EdGov gets the people and the minds of this country together like they did for Common Core, brings them together, we bang out a curriculum, and we get it put into all the public school systems across the nation. It's a great beginning. Yeah, that
2: certainly is. And I'll tell you, we need to do something now. We need to work on something now. So, you know, I so agree with you. I do, Joanne. And, uh, yeah. But, hey, we can't
0: give up, right? Right. No, I mean, I'm not going to give up. I'm actually at a conference in near Washington. I, I usually don't do conferences, um, usually either globally or in California, but I've been invited to a conference that's September. I'm telling you, because I, I know you, don't you live in the, No, where do you live, Joyce?
2: Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh.
0: But it okay, seems like so my
2: second home is Washington, D.C.
0: That's what I thought, and it's the mm-hmm. 24th, the 23rd and the 24th of September. Um, and it is a, uh, a wonderful, big, uh, wonderful conference, and I need to find the name. I'll be looking for it right now, so I can give that out to everybody. There's, uh, Stephen Shore is the keynote, and he's fabulous. If you have not heard Stephen Shore speak, he himself is, has, uh, autism, he's Asperger's, he's a genius, and he's, he teaches at Adelphi University in Long Island and he's amazing 10 books he's like Temple it's like Temple and then Stephen Shore so and he's the keynote Um, so it's well worth going yes yes Uh, and let me find it I will find it while we're talking
2: okay so while you're looking for that would you mind going over with our listeners again the name of your documentary
0: yes it is Generation A Portraits of Autism and the Arts
2: and how does someone listening to this show get that?
0: Well, they go to iTunes or they go to my website, which is autismmovementtherapy.org. and uh, they they'll see it on they'll see it on the home uh, page uh, right on the home page they'll see the documentary. We also it have, sounds great. I have a book I have a book Autism Movement Therapy Method book. We didn't talk about that.
2: Um, All right, well, how would they purchase that, through Amazon?
0: They can get that on Amazon. They can get that through me on my website, or the publisher is Jessica Kingsley Publishers. They're in London. They're probably the biggest disabilities publisher in the world. And um, uh, they can get it on my website, though. They can go right on my website, and they'll see it under the store. I have a store on my website, and they can find the documentary there. They can find the audio. All right, let's hear hear
2: your website again.
0: AutismMovementTherapy.org.
2: Okay, you heard it, everyone. Hey, before we close the show, just a few last questions. You know, you are such a dynamo, Joanne, and, you you know, you're just so passionate about all this, which tells me you either had or have uh, a role model. So who would that be?
0: You know, it's a wonderful question. I would have to say my mother, who was a business partner with my father, and they were both very successful growing up, where my friends they would check that box that said homemaker, and I remember coming home and saying, Hey, Mom, you know, they're like... What box do I check for you? Like, mother's occupation. <laughs> she said, put businesswoman. And I said, she said, write it in. <laughs> and I said, okay. So I was very proud. So she was a, she was a big, big influence in my life. Um, and, I, and I like to think I'm a pretty successful businesswoman because this is a business. And um, what we do is, you know, is a business. Every day we get up and we do it, uh, and, we, and we try to make a difference in, in the world. And I would say that um, Hillary Clinton has been a huge model for me, way back in mm. the 90s. I was mm-hmm. always a fan, and now, of course, I'm a huge supporter, and, uh, and she has a fabulous, Autism Initiative agenda, which you can find on her website. Uh, that, she's, that, that I don't know, I'm hoping that we can get that word out to uh, autism families uh, about her initiative uh, because it's very thorough. Talks about early diagnoses, early screening, early intervention. She's really all over the disabilities area. And, oh, she um, is. I mean, it
2: is phenomenal how she has been talking about. Disability. Just as a matter of fact, talking about ending subminimum pay, um, I, I just couldn't believe. Whenever she did that, it was so awesome. And I know she has that autism program. So I too would encourage people to go to her uh, website mm-hmm. and, and read about that. Um, well, yes, you have two. You have, you have two quite powerful role models.
0: Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, women. Women role models have always been you know, very influential for me. Um, even when a time when people were like, "Well, you can't do that," and I was like, "Well, yeah, well, I'm buying my own home. You know, uh, I'm buying. <laughs> I'm doing that. You know." And uh, so far, so good. You know, we're we're moving along, and I'm able to. It allows me to be able to do the work that I feel that um need. You know, that I'm supposed to be doing, and. Um, and I've, I'm I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud of the of the work I've done. Yeah, uh, the the conference is called Diamonds in the Rough conference. Diamonds in the rough. rough.
2: Okay. Conference. Thank you for yeah. uh, sharing that with us.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's well, an you know, conference.
2: Joanne, how you said you're proud. You should be proud. You should be proud because you know, if Thanks. you look at her website or read her bio, wow. I mean, you you just have accomplished so much. Book, documentary, uh, incredible education, uh, le- a voice, thought leader. Uh, I mean, you've done so much. What, but what would you consider your greatest accomplishment?
0: I think it's the book, Autism Movement Therapy Method: Waking Up the Brain, because it really that that's really everything that I feel about individuals with disabilities. It's really a methods book, and how how we, as a society, need to move forward in every aspect of their life to, to increase their quality of life in, in working, in living, in education, in social. And so i have to say that the book, Autism Movement Therapy Method, Waking Up the Brain.
2: Well, yes, and I would say about that, uh, just think how many millions of people you've impacted.
0: What's the book? From Your Mouth to God's Ears. that—that <laughs> <laughs> I mean, That, that is really yeah. a
2: wonderful thing. Hey, since that is your greatest accomplishment, how about the name of that book again for our listeners?
0: Autism Movement Therapy Method, Waking Up the Brain.
2: Oh, I would encourage you to check out that book. <laughs> so, Joanne, first of all, thank you so much for being Our guest today loved having you on. Uh, What message would you like to leave with our listeners today?
0: Assume intelligence with individuals with disabilities.
2: Oh, I love that. Assume intelligence. Isn't that something? Be a different world if people felt like that, wouldn't it?
0: It sure would.
2: Well, Joanne, thank you again, as I said. Uh, just a pleasure having you on as guest today. Uh, and we will keep following you one more time. Your website is?
0: AutismMovementTherapy.org
2: and org. Oh, org. Okay, we'll remember mm-hmm. that. And, you know, we end every show with a quote from a person that we believe has impacted the world in a good way. So the quote today has to be, I am different, not less, said Temple Grandin. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you next week.